We're in the middle of a sermon series called Unchained, and we began with Scripture Unchained, and we're making our way today to Grace Unchained, and we're going to explore the concept of grace. It has so many layers to it, because our sins are many. But we're going to explore the concept of grace as unfolded in our gospel reading for today. So grace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The ten lepers, they were thrown out of the city, living on the outskirts of town. And they were on the border of life and death. And on one side, they could see in the distance the city beaming with life. What was once theirs, their home, which was now just a distant memory. And on the other side was the wilderness, total desolation. It was lifeless. It's where things go to never come back. And they knew this. The Jews knew this. The lepers knew this. It's what they were taught about it. You don't go into the wilderness. It's the place where temptations lurk you into the abyss of endless wandering. Yes, leprosy was a terrible thing to have, being on the border of life and death. And for these 10 men, knowing ultimately that if they hadn't been declared clean yet, at this point, there was really no hope for them, and they would inevitably end up on the side of death. And all they had to live on was their memories. Memories of the way things used to be, of a place they once called home. Yes, leprosy was a terrible thing to have. And these 10 men in our gospel reading had it. Last week, during this service, there was a children's message. And it was fun. It was fun to see all the kids come up with excitement, so eager to answer, well, some of them, not all of them, so eager to answer the questions. And the little ones would raise their hands and wiggle them in the air. And maybe you remember when you were in Sunday school and you were young, it was that classic Sunday school answer that we all knew It was that name. It was the name that was implanted in the hearts of children at baptism. And as young children, it would eagerly, it would make its way from the heart and it would come up to the mouth and we would confess that name, the name of Jesus. It's the name that we know before we understand, before we understand any of the teachings of the church. It's the name that we know before we learn the story of all the the stories of the Bible. We only know one thing for sure at that time. As children, we know that name. It's planted in our hearts, and we declare it so freely, without shame. And then something happens. Things get complicated. And sometime in our aging, maybe for you it was middle school, maybe it was high school, maybe for some of you it wasn't until young adulthood that we became much more aware of sin. Maybe it was the first time that you cheated on a homework or when you caught someone in class cheating and you tattled on him. Or maybe it was the time that you were betrayed by a friend or maybe the time you betrayed them. Either way, maybe it was the time you felt so utterly alone and that nobody wanted you. Yeah, somewhere along the way, life got complicated and it wasn't simple anymore. Maybe for you it was the first time you saw your parents fight. Or the first time we noticed that other kids had more than we had and we had jealousy about it. Or maybe, we, maybe it was the time we found out we have so much more than our friends next door and, and they have like nothing. 
but our family didn't share. And the grace that we had received, the grace that gave life its simplicity once upon a time, seems to become a distant memory. And this complicated, sinful life that we are confronted with, as we go into adulthood, it remains relentless. And then we grow into adulthood, and then, and then we grow up and we're bombarded by the sexual revolution with videos and images in our face all day long on every platform, and it leads to still darker and more temptations, maybe the temptation to be unfaithful to your spouse, among maybe other things. And we realize this life is not simple. It's, it's complicated. It's riddled with sin. Or maybe... Maybe you found that out, that the world, every aspect of it, the government, the home life, the work life, even the church, maybe you found out they were all riddled with sin when you found out that you have a government that supports the murder of children. Or maybe when you're watching the news and your own faith is criticized. Yes, this world is riddled with sin. In St. Lawrence, we are a part of it. And the name, the name that was in our hearts as young believers, that made its way so quickly to our mouths to interrupt. Jesus, that name maybe has become, in this complicated world, irrelevant to us. Maybe we've outgrown it. And it just doesn't seem to satisfy as it once did. And so we long for the good old days when things were much more simple. And so we come to places like church. We come to church so we can just, so we just get our hands on a little bit of grace. So we can go back out there and just feel good about ourselves. And we've managed, I think, to complicate the simplest of things in the church. It's the simplest thing of all, God's grace. It's a gift. You just sit there. You receive it. But we've actually twisted it and we abuse it. And I'm going to go ahead and say this phrase. I think we have Americanized grace. We've Americanized it. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a German theologian, he talks about this, he calls it cheap grace. And the church has abused grace throughout its history. Look at Martin Luther during the time of the Reformation. He was dealing with issues that had to do with the church selling grace and they were making a profit off of it. Well, I'm afraid that right now in our day, we've swung to the other side of the pendulum and grace is so free. It's so free, you can just come on in and give yourself a little grace. And then you move on, you go home. You don't change a thing. We treat it like a commodity and we pay for it. Well, except today we don't pay for it with money. That was the issue during the Reformation. We pay for it with our precious time. We make time out of our day to come here to receive a little grace, feel good about our life, and go back home. That's Americanized grace. And this form of grace, it tries to be spiritual without any religious attachment. It tries to be spiritual without any attachment to responsibility and what this actually does, what this abuse of grace actually does, is it justifies your sin. And then you go and you keep doing it because you feel good. This abuse of grace actually amplifies the hold that sin has on your life because deep down, wrapped around your heart, is the disease. Sin is the leprosy of your heart. And the grace we give ourselves, this Americanized grace, only tries to treat the symptoms. This Americanized grace, it keeps you chained to your sin. It stunts your spiritual growth. It's actually the enemy of discipleship. It's the enemy of actually following Jesus. So stop. 
Stop giving yourself grace. Quit making yourself God. Yahweh is his name and he revealed himself ultimately through Jesus Christ dying and suffering on the cross for you. And his job title is God. Let him be God. Stop giving yourself grace and allow the true God to do it. He wants to give you grace. Otherwise, he died for nothing. But St. Lawrence, he did die. And his grace, this true grace, it doesn't justify sin. It drowns it in the waters of baptism. It leaves it in the wilderness to never return. It kills it on the cross. Yes, Jesus doesn't justify sin. He justifies you, the sinner. You, the object of his love. Don't ask me why. It's who he is, I suppose. God can't deny himself. It's what he does. He's gracious. And so he gives you grace. And the grace, you see, the, the grace you give yourself leaves you in chains. But his grace, the grace from the true God, from Jesus Christ, it unchains you. It sets you free. And it wants to transform you. Grace. God is the only real true source of it. Grace. I think it's difficult to define, although we have our ways. I think you can only describe it really. And maybe you've heard of some of these definitions. Grace, it's, it's getting what you don't deserve. Yeah, you've heard that. Or grace, it's the unmerited favor of God. Or I've heard this, grace, it's the umbrella for your life. Or grace, the acronym. Now, you know if you have an acronym for a word, it's, we really don't understand it, right? So grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah, oh yeah, you've heard it. And none of these really cover it all. I do like the way this band puts it, though. They say, grace, it's the light that pierces through you to the deepest, darkest place. It knows your deepest secret, but it doesn't look away. It's the gentle hand that pulls you from the judgment of the crowd when you stand before them guilty and you've got no way out. It's the breath that's breathing new life into what was dead. It's the favor that takes orphans and places crowns on their head. It's a miracle. For every heart it rescues, it's a miracle. It's scandalous, this love, this Jesus that took our place. But St. Lawrence, let's just call it what it is. Call it grace. There's so many ways to describe grace. There's no way I could cover it all in this sermon. But St. Lawrence, there's only one way. There's only one way you can experience it, and that is ultimately through that great name, Jesus Christ. In our gospel reading, Jesus meets the 10 lepers at the edge of the wilderness, and he says this in response to them. He, he says, go show yourself to the priests. And so the nine, they went, and I imagine they would go to the temple in Jerusalem. That's where the priests were. And I imagine they would follow the Levitical and the Mosaic law in Leviticus 13, 14, and 15, where you would go show yourself to the priest. They would inspect your skin, and they would go, ha, you're clean. And so we follow the whole ritual. Go take a bath. Go wash your clothes. Come back. We'll offer a sacrifice. It was this long, tedious process. And then I'm not sure what happens to the nine. Scripture doesn't tell us, but I imagine, I imagine they went home for the first time in a long time. I imagine they probably went back to the way things used to be. They went back to their old lives. Not the Samaritan. It's the irony, isn't it? 
It's the Samaritan. This guy, no, he has no idea what he's doing. Go show yourself to the priest, he said. The Samaritan goes, whew, he sees he's clean. He comes back to Jesus and bows at his feet and worships him with a loud voice. He doesn't go back to his old way of life. It's the Samaritan that makes Jesus Lord of his life after receiving this grace. He had no idea. He had no idea that the book of Hebrews actually talks about Jesus as the great high priest. Go show yourself to the priest, he said. And he went to Jesus. The book of Hebrews says Jesus is the high priest and we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. He knows our weaknesses. He's been tempted and tried in every way that you've been tempted, except he was without sin. He knows what you're going through. He knows life's not easy, but he didn't promise an easy life. So don't pray for an easy life. He promises grace. And in the epistle today, we learn from Paul to Timothy that grace strengthens you to endure this life. So pray for that. Pray for grace that Jesus gives you. And it gives you strength in return. We have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who went into the waters of baptism, but he didn't stay down there. He came back up for you. And then immediately he went into the wilderness for you. And he faced Satan with the temptations for you. And he didn't stay in the wilderness. He came back out for you. And sin has to get punished. And so he took the punishment of your sin. He took the punishment of the sins of the world on the cross. And not only that, but he defeated the last enemy. Paul says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. And so Jesus went into the tomb for you. But he didn't stay there. He came back out. St. Lawrence, look at the altar It's his body and it's his blood poured out for you. You thought you were encountering Jesus today by coming to church when in fact he is encountering you. Jesus meets you where you are in the middle of your wilderness so that you can go home free. But not to the old home, not to the home that you remember. No, listen very carefully. Your past, your past was never as good as you remember it. So don't return to it. But as you take his body and blood, remember something else. Remember your future. The promise of a new home. You're his child now. And as a child, remember his name again. The one you confessed so eagerly when you were younger. Let it work its way back to your mouth and let it confess again that Jesus is Lord of your life. And then go, go confront this complicated world with his limitless grace and with the simple truth that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. And let his grace flow freely in your life as it works its way to your hands and your mouth as you serve the people of this complicated world and telling them of his great love and of his great grace. St. Lawrence, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be strengthened to endure this life until he calls you home. Amen.